What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oasis Podcast. Oasis is the college and young adult ministry at Park West Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Come hang out with us if you're ever in the area on a Thursday night. We'd love to meet you face to face. If you don't already, make sure you follow us on social media at Oasis PWC to stay updated with everything going on here with the Oasis family. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. Let's jump in. Tonight, I'm excited to preach the word. Are you ready for the word? We're going to go to the gospel of Matthew. The gospel of Matthew, while you turn there, I'm going to go ahead and give you my sermon title for tonight. Simply the church. Turn to your neighbor and say the church. Turn to your neighbor that you don't like as much. Tell them the church. Sorry to make it awkward right here out of the gate. (laughs) The church. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 16. Holler at me when you got it. You're like, yeah, we got it. I got it on my phone or it's on the screen behind me already. There we go. Matthew chapter 16. Here we go. It says, on this rock, I will build my church. Turn to your neighbor, say church. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church. I want to ask tonight, how many, uh, how many church people do I have in the house tonight? Like, you love church. You grew up at church. Oh, we got a... <laughs> they said, I am a Pentecostal church person. <laughs> I like love church, love church. I love it. That's what I like to see, fam. I love church. I grew up at church. My life semi-revolves around church. I have so many funny memories about church. I want to ask you tonight, when you think about that word, when you think about the term church, how does that make you feel? Does it make you excited? You're like, hey, I'm ready to be here on Wednesday night, like it's about to go down. Or are you like, mom, don't make me go to church again on Wednesday night. Like, when you think of church, Do you think of church with excitement, with passion, or with anger and frustration? I have um, a couple hilarious stories for what church means to me. I did, in fact, grow up at not just church, but at this church. Years and years ago, well before y'all were born, this room used to be one big room. That wall wasn't here. So the student cafe side, this was all one big room, and we had children's church up in here. I was in here for children's church. I joke that I stayed around at the church so long that they brought me on staff because this is like home for me, right? This is, this is where I'm at. But when I say that I grew up here, I also mean I was disciplined here. Where are my people at that you've been in trouble at the church? You, you ain't got to lie. Everybody already knows. <laughs> like, yeah, we saw that. See, when I grew up at the church, it was a little bit different, though, because if you did something that you shouldn't have done, you might get a whooping. That doesn't happen as much anymore. I was thinking the other day, many of y'all know Mama Kerrigan. I was thinking about Mama Kerrigan the other day. And something I was like, boy, she straightened me out. She knew. She knew if I wasn't living right because the Holy Ghost would tell her. And she would tell me how I needed to fix the fact that I wasn't living right. But I watched people grow up. I grew up in this room. Some of the funniest memories that I have were with youth group people. Some of, I've got a small group leader in the room that is going to laugh when I tell some of these stories. We had a buddy named Cody Miller that was here at the church with me. And for whatever reason, y'all, I'm telling stories I shouldn't tell. Y'all don't tell Pastor Jeremy this, okay? Because I don't know that he knows this yet. I was a janitor here at the church, but I was young enough to still be dumb. 
And, I, you know, I'm finding you don't grow out of dumb. You just kind of like try to educate yourself beyond some of that. Okay, that's part of it. But I was young enough to still make some not so great choices in my life. And I was employed by the church. And I remember there was this specific place in the building. Not there anymore. Sorry, you can't try it anymore. But there was a place in the building where you could like jump on kick off this wall and grab this like ledge and pull yourself up. And it was right at the time when Ninja Warrior was like really happening. And I'm not talking about American Ninja Warrior. Y'all are spoiled where you hear it in English. When we were watching it originally, it was all in Chinese. You had no idea what was happening. But you watch these people back flipping off stuff and running up the warped wall. And we had created, myself and a buddy of mine, who were both janitors here at the church, had created a quote-unquote warped wall here at the church. See, what had happened was... (laughs) We took our break. We were smart. Like, we weren't going to do this on the clock, okay? We weren't on the clock. We were off the clock. And I took off running. I kick off this thing, and I pull myself up on the, the little ceiling part here. And I've got one leg hanging across in this, like, closet and another hanging across in the other part of the church. And I kid you not, one of the older <laughs> janitors in the building walked past and saw me up just there, up on this massive thing. And he was like, and I have wondered to this day, If my father-in-law knows, because my father-in-law was the bosses of all the janitors back then when I first came on staff. And I wonder how many people that got around to. But I was, as you can imagine, I was like, uh, 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 I'm dusting. I knew you couldn't reach this corner up here. Jack, if y'all remember Jack, I was like, Jack, I'm so sorry. I knew you couldn't reach up here, so I decided to reach up here and get it. I was disciplined after that moment, as you can imagine. I remember in this room, (laughs) I'm telling you, I have so many stories. I had a couple of our young guys that were wrestling here in the room, and one of them picked the other up and then tripped and went through that wall. He was halfway in the wall. As you can imagine, there was some discipline that followed that. There have been some moments in the church, turn to your neighbor, say, the church where I had to grow up. There were also some moments that took place here in this building that were life-changing like in a great way, not because of discipline, but because of just good things that happened. I encountered the Holy Spirit in this room. There, I guarantee there is snot of mine in the floor here somewhere from crazy powerful church services when I just boo-hooed like a little 13-year-old baby, didn't know what to do with myself. But the Holy Spirit was so strong and I had these crazy encounter moments. There was one time we, we were doing a youth retreat here in the room, and like happened tonight, you notice how the Holy Spirit shows up and people start praying for each other? That's how it was at this weekend retreat. I was praying for somebody down front, and dude was out. Like, if you've, if you've been in Pentecostal churches for a while and you know what it means to be slain in the Spirit, that's what happened. Basically what it means is the Holy Spirit comes over you so intensely that you're like, bro, I'm laying down. Like, I'm... I need to lay down for a minute. I need to chill for a second because the glory of God is just so thick. I'm praying for this boy, just praying for the Holy Ghost. And then he wasn't there anymore. And I looked down, he's laying on the floor. And the pastor's like, well, praise God. And I was like, this is a good thing. Praise God. We were so The Holy Spirit happened in this church. I met my wife in this church. I proposed in the gym of this church. We got married in the main sanctuary of this church. A lot of my life has revolved around church. And not just because I'm a pastor now, but because I was a part of the church family. When you hear the term church, what does that stir inside you? Because for some of us, 
you go to like memories like me of that time I got caught doing something I shouldn't have been doing or that time the Holy Spirit showed up in a powerful way or the great memories of getting married here and all the, the wonderful things that God has done. When you think of the church, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Because I would be willing to bet that for some of us, it's maybe at least indifferent. The church has been kind of misrepresented at times. And the church is messy. I heard somebody say church would be great if it wasn't for all the people. <laughs> some of that, some of y'all missed that one. <laughs> the church would be great if it wasn't for all the people because people make life hard. But people are the point of the church. A group of family that can come together, that can do life together, that can experience Jesus together. You know, the first time that the word church is ever used in the Bible, can you guess who says it? Take a guess. Who do you think said church first? Jesus. It's always the right answer. <laughs> Kids are, Jesus! It was Jonah! No. <laughs> it was Jesus. In Matthew, check this out. It's the passage that we open with tonight. The context of what's happening in Matthew chapter 16 is Jesus is out doing ministry. He's changing lives like he does. And when you jump into the gospel and you see all these stories, you see that happen. He rolls into a town and people want to come hear what he has to say. So he preaches the good news. He lays hands on people. They get healed. And then everybody's left going, who is this guy? Well, Jesus turns that question on the disciples. He says, who do people say that I am? You know, even now... People wonder who Jesus was. Christians believe that he is the Messiah, the one that God sent his one and only son to live a sinless life, to die for us. Amen. Like this is what we believe. This is the core foundation of the gospel. But even today, and especially back then, people were like, but is, who is this guy? He speaks like a pastor or a prophet, but he has all this authority and people are getting healed all over the place. And he keeps talking like he is God. Who is Jesus? So Jesus asked the disciples, who am I? Like, well, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, which are other prophets. But then he says, Peter. How many of you know, you know who Peter is? Peter was excitable. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. He turns to Peter and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter, with all the confidence in the world, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah. And Jesus sets off the bells. He's like, ding, ding, we got a winner. And then he has this beautiful conversation with Peter. And he says, Simon was originally his name. He said, Peter, which means rock. He said, on this rock, I will build my church. That's the first time that church shows up is when a disciple said, you are the Messiah. He said, that truth right there, I'm going to build my church on that. I'm going to build everything on that church. When you think about the church, how does that make you feel? Turn to Proverbs chapter 31. Holler at me, all the ladies in the room. If you have read Proverbs 31 and you are a girl in the room, you're, you're reading it like, what is this? Are you kidding? <laughs> it is this crazy high standard starting in verse 10 that basically normally the heading would say something along the lines of the godly wife or the perfect bride, okay? And a lot of times we look at this passage as this like goal for women to achieve, like, oh, if you're going to be perfect as a woman, this is what you do. Okay, that's not really what the scripture is necessarily trying to say. Throughout the scripture, you see 
the Bible say that Jesus is the groom and his church is the bride, right? Sticking with me so far? The church one day is going to have this crazy celebration when Jesus comes back for us. It's in the Bible. It's going to be a rager of a party. There's this massive marriage supper of the Lamb where we are going to eat all the best foods and there's going to be this crazy party go down and we will join with Jesus for the rest of eternity. We are his bride. When you read Proverbs 31 and it talks about the perfect bride, this is so cool. I found this this week. Some of y'all won't care about this at all, but for those of you that do care, you're going to geek out over this fact. I was reading about Proverbs 31 this week and did you know that that whole portion is an acrostic poem? Basically what it means is every new section, it starts with the, new, the next alphabet in the, the Hebrew language. So think of it this way. If I was to do an uh, acrostic poem for my wife, I would do like ABC. Okay, I might say, Olivia is amazing, Olivia is beautiful, Olivia is creative, right? That's basically what the 31st proverb is. It goes down this cr- intentionally beautifully wrapped to paint this picture of what the bride of Christ should look like. I want to read you some of this chapter. Starting in verse 10, the first one says, who could ever find a wife like this one? She is a woman of strength and mighty value. She's full of wealth and wisdom. The price paid for her was greater than many jewels. I want to take some liberty here. Don't get all anxious. I'm not changing the Bible, okay? What I want to do, I'm going to look at a couple verses, and in these places where it says wife, I'm going to put church. To help us read this, that same verse says, whoever could find a church like this one. Christ's church is full of strength and mighty valor. The church is full of wealth and wisdom. The price paid for the church was greater than many jewels. And it was because Jesus gave his life for the church. I'm going to keep rolling. Try to stay with me. Verse 13, the church searches out continually to possess that which is pure and righteous. The church gives out revelation truth to feed others. Does that sound like the church? I hope it does. The church tastes and experiences a better substance. That's what my wife just said during worship. A better alternative to the mess that the world tries to bring. And her shining light will not be extinguished no matter how dark the night. She, the church, is known by her extravagant generosity to the poor. Does that sound like the church? I hope it does. For she always reaches out her hands to those in need. Her husband, Jesus, is famous and admired by all. Even her works of righteousness she does for the benefit of her enemies. There are many valiant and noble ones, but you have ascended above them all. Popularity can be misleading, and the followers, wealth, and worldly fame is vain and so quickly fades. But the church, the bride of Christ, lives in the wonder, awe, and the fear of the Lord. She will be praised throughout eternity. Turn to your neighbor and say, the church. I know I'm giving you a ton of scripture. I'm giving you a ton of context, but here's what I want you to see. This is how the church should operate. When you walk in here on a Wednesday night, you should feel the things that I just felt reading the scripture. The church is generous. Amen. And everybody's like, yeah, because that makes sense because Pastor Jeremy talks about it. We give all this money to world missions and and we send missionaries all over the place and through the Knoxville Dream Center and Kiko, we're ministering to people all over the city and like, yes, the church is generous. The church is loving. The church searches out pure things and righteous things. When you hear this, you should be like, yeah, that's my church. 
But there are times that what stirs inside of us when we think about church, when we talk about church, isn't that. Why? Tonight I want to ask you, how do you feel about church? When I read this, I'm excited, I'm thrilled, I'm passionate. But for some others, maybe it's awkward, uncomfortable, or even feels inaccurate. I want to offer an idea tonight that if this whole conversation thus far about church just kind of feels like, yeah, I can take it or leave it for church, or I don't like church, let me go that far. If you're catching stuff on social media and you're hearing all the noise and you're one of the people that's in here that's like, yeah, I'm here because my mom makes me come here on Wednesday nights, and we're glad you're here if that is you. Maybe what we need more than anything is the church. Not like the problem is we can come to the building and not be part of the church. I'm going to say that one more time for the front row that missed that one. Maybe what we need is the church because it's totally possible to come to a building and not be part of the family. It's completely possible to roll in here every Wednesday night and to not pay a lick of attention to what Pastor Pete preaches. I didn't come tonight to correct. Hear me genuinely. I didn't. I believe there's a void. And we walk through life and we're just trying to figure it out and we're missing. Look, the bride of Christ is generous, is loving, is accepting, is wonderful, is pure, is gracious, is great, and is wonderful. And I want you to leave here tonight feeling as excited about the church as I do. So if you came in tonight and you weren't feeling that way, that changes tonight. Not because of anything I can say, but just because of an acknowledgement of, oh, no, wait a minute. God created me for this. God created me for unity. This should be a place that loves each other, that serves each other, that fights for each other, that leads each other to Jesus, that holds each other accountable, that helps one another. Oh, I want to go ahead and apologize if you're in the room and that hasn't been your experience of church. Maybe where you were before you came here was gross. Or maybe here in this church, you've experienced bullying. You've experienced hate. You've experienced racism. You've experienced whatever of the nastiness of sin that still creeps in at times. If that's happened, I'm so sorry. That is not a representation of my Jesus. It's definitely not a representation of this church. This church should be a family. There's a perfect representation of this in Mark chapter 2. I'm going to go there and then I'm going to close pretty quick. Mark chapter 2. Turn to your neighbor and say, Mark. Turn to your other neighbor and say, chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. Jesus enters the city of Capernaum. He goes into this building to preach. And at this point, the world has heard about this Jesus. So people are showing up from all over the place. So much so that the Bible says you couldn't even hardly get to the building. They've crammed this place full of people. And then outside it, it's crammed with people trying to get around to the window to hear what Jesus is saying and to hear what's happening. Somehow, the Bible says that these guys managed to get their friend up to the roof of this building. There's these handful of friends that have this buddy that's paralyzed. 
they decide we've got to get him to Jesus. It makes perfect sense. I hope that when you go to school, when you do life, and you're finding these friends, you're like, man, their family is struggling right now. They are so sad right now. They are so addicted right now. They are so whatever. I hope that what comes to your mind is, man, i got to get them to Jesus. Because if, if, your, if your version of Jesus is my version of Jesus, when you get a hold of him, things really change. And that's why it's possible to be here on a Wednesday and to not really be here on a Wednesday. But the reason my wife can hoop and holler like that here in worship is because she knows what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit and how much that changes in your life. So they get these, this guy to the roof of the building, they cut a hole in the ceiling, and they drop him Mission Impossible style straight through the roof. Can't you just hear the music? Like, dun, 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 dun. Anyway, that's how, I, that's how I picture it anyway. So they drop him down, in, and I don't want you to miss this because this is so crazy. They drop the paralyzed man down into the living room where Jesus is teaching, and I wish I could have just been in the room, right? You're watching this like you're watching Jesus, watching them, watching them, watching Jesus, and he's lowering, and the Mission Impossible theme is playing, and you're like, what is he going to do? And then Jesus says to this man... Son, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. What? Thanks, but I can't walk. (laughs) No, let's be real about it. They loved this guy so much that they took him to the roof of the building that they couldn't even get inside to hear Jesus. They drop him down, and Jesus first and foremost says to him, Son, he's more interested in your identity than your issue. He says, Son, and I I can't imagine, like, still, you know, he doesn't fully understand the weight of him calling him son, but he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. They brought this guy in for healing. And Jesus gave him salvation. When you roll into school, it doesn't feel like you've got that buddy that you know. You know. You already know the buddy that I'm talking about, because he may be the craziest one at the school, (laughs) but he's your buddy. Everybody's got one of those. (laughs) You're like, man, but I know that he does X, Y, and Z. I know that he's struggling with this, and that that's happened, and I know what he does that his parents don't know about. I know that he's struggling with this. I know that he's doing whatever. Bring him to Jesus in prayer and into this room. Because when you get here and the Holy Spirit starts moving here, you know what will happen? They might just find salvation on the road to healing. This is a perfect example of the church. A group of people that love each other so much that they'll climb up to the roof And try to lower you down through the ceiling to help you find Jesus. This is the church. Turn to your neighbor and say, the church. Jacob, you can help me. I'm going to close. He, man, Jesus, the first time that the church is used. Back in that opening passage. I'm going to say this and we're going to get out of here. The first time that that word church is used, Jesus does not say, on this rock I will build my church and everything will always make sense. 
On this rock, I will build my church, and they will always be nice to each other. Man, I wish that's what it said. Because there are times when people do what people do, and they sin. He did not say on this rock, I will build my church and they'll have everything they need every day, every second, all the time. It'll all be easy. It'll be no, 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 no. Jesus said on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So do you know who you want on your side? The church. If you have been coming on Wednesday nights, but you don't have any skin in the game, tonight's the call to action. Sunday morning, when you come into service, and I know, I remember what it was like being a teenager, and you're like, I kind of want to be here, I kind of don't want to be here, and the service is a little long, and you're trying to figure all that out, you're trying to find your space. Double down. Worship intentionally. Listen intentionally. Make some memories in this space on Wednesday nights. Come in here ready to go. Ready to go. Don't be sitting eating a snack at your chair when the Holy Ghost is messing somebody else's life up. Because somebody around here needs you to be involved. So to the indifferent one in the room, like, yeah, I like the church. I like things. I like whatever. I'm good to be here. There may be somebody else in this room that could use a friend that could lower them through the roof. And if we're not paying any attention to what's happening around us, we're going to miss that every time. Every time. With heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here tonight and you have felt like you've been on the outskirts of church, and we read these passages from Proverbs about how beautiful this church should be or how great this church should be, and you're like, yeah, but I've been hurt by it, or yeah, but that's not been my experience, or... I don't know that I've been involved. Maybe you're here and you would say, uh, I've been coming, but I haven't been present. If that's you with every head bowed and all the eyes closed, if that's you and you want to say, yeah, I, I think it's time for me to put some skin in the game. We throw a hand up for me. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. If you're here tonight and you say, I've been hurt by someone in the church, truly nobody looking around. If you're here tonight and you say, yeah, I'm trying to figure this whole thing out, but there's still some anxiety, there's still some stress, there's still some whatever. And listen, it may be adults in the room, but you're like, yeah, my view of church is struggling right now because some stuff has gone down in church. If that's you, will you throw a hand up for me? Yeah. Yeah. I see your hand. I see your hand. God, we want to love the church the way that you love the church. And I wish that I could take, (laughs) I wish that I could take some of these students and let them see through my eyes for the crazy moments that have happened in this room and the wonderful things that the church has been a part of in my life. God, for the one or two or three or four or five that's in here that is struggling with their view of the church, I ask for grace right now. And I ask that you will give them the courage to double down 
to say, yeah, okay, you know what? Things have been hard. I want to be involved. I want to be a part of making things better. So I'm going to worship on purpose. I'm going to listen intentionally. I'm going to be engaged. I'm going to be involved. And Lord, for every student in the room, I ask that you will help them solidify something in their heart that knows that in this church family, they have Oasis big brothers and sisters that love them so much, that want to see them succeed, that want to see them be blessed, that want to see them grow. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We pray all these things in your precious name, Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen.